Hello, hello. Welcome to another week of SG Explain. It is the holiday week and we are celebrating the holidays by recording another episode just for you guys. We're going to keep it short and sweet. <laughs> Here's my gift to you. Uh, we're going to just take half an hour to record today's episode. Keep it light and easy. We've done a couple of pretty heavy episodes the past few weeks and actually we have a couple of exciting episodes coming up. We're going to be doing something related to the Hawker episode and today's episode is all about Chopin. We're talking about, you know, the act of putting like sometimes tissue papers or umbrellas on tables, that kind of stuff, right? Yes, we're not talking about the app. So there is an app in Singapore called Show. We are not sponsored by it and we are not doing a, a show about <laughs> it. For now, we are looking at the act of choping and uh, let's just jump into it. The word chop actually comes from the word chup. So chop is spelled C-H-O-P-E. Chup is C-H-U-P. It's a Malay word that also possibly from another Hindi word, right? So there's a, a couple of derivations here. The Malay word means a cry in a game requesting a halt or the retraction of a stroke. And the Hindi word uh, is basically, it means silence. And so you can see some similarities between the word chop and chup slash kup, which is the Hindi word. And the idea is, is basically saying stop, right? Like this is my way of saying pause. It makes a lot of sense if you think about it, when you think about what you're actually doing by chopping something. More colloquially, however, we use it as like a habit of reserving seats in the food centers, which generally have free seating, right? If you go to like Maxwell Food Center, even those uh, more commercialized ones like the Kopitiams, they're all free seating, a lot of tables everywhere. And lunchtime, you'll find people uh, placing items such as name cards, tissue packets, umbrellas. Uh, sometimes there's staff passes, which I think is very dangerous, but okay, people do that. Uh, and all plastic bags, right? Yeah, I've seen all kinds of stuff being used to chop, including shopping bags, including people's like laptops. Yeah, I've used my laptop. I've used my laptop to like reserve seats before because <laughs> it's like, I have literally nothing else on me. <laughs> That's like the Singapore privilege way of basically saying like, oh, I don't have anything on me. I'll just use a, a super expensive item to reserve a seat. It's that or my handphone, but... If I leave my handphone there, what am I going to do when I'm queuing up for the food, right? <laughs> That's a good point. So this is what I do. I actually, on purpose, carry, you know, when sometimes people give you like business cards or like when you go to a restaurant and you, you borrow one of their cards, you know, to reserve later on. I use those to chope. And sometimes that's the only purpose of these cards in my wallet. It's really to be able to chope tables later on. That makes a lot of sense. Depending on who you ask, this practice of choping seats is uh, sometimes seen as a practical life hack or sometimes on the flip side, it's seen as pretty ungracious. The government kind of announced in 2017 that $90 million fund would be set up to boost the hawker trade. We had some people, you know, the Straits Times readers, uh, writing in, asking for something to be done about this whole choping of seats at hawker centres. Mostly, you know, they said, like, uh, it's led to quarrels, like, created scenarios where elderly patrons carrying trays of food are, like, deprived of seats. The NEA then said that there are no restrictions on reserving seats in hawker centres. However, uh, patrons should always exercise consideration for others when dining at the hawker centers and sharing the facilities. I think we've all kind of embraced it as part of who we are. Whether it's an ungracious act or like a life hack, undoubtedly, it's a very big trademark of what Singapore is like. This this word, this particular terminology, chop, is uniquely ours. It's come into the limelight 
especially because of the renewed interest in hawker culture as like a big part of Singaporean life, right? So we did that whole episode, which we highly recommend people to go check it out about why hawker culture is so important in Singapore. But recently, we've been added to the UNESCO list of, you know, intangible treasures of the world or something like that. And the idea is that, well, if we're on a UNESCO list, if this is so important to us, should we not reconsider some of the lesser like parts of it. There's a huge assumption in there that chopping is is not a good part of our activities. And we'll kind of dissect a bit about actually what's the psychology behind it, what's the impact of it. But that's a real debate when it comes to chopping. Is it a good part of our identity or is it perhaps a bad part of our identity? As a contrast, right, one hawker center at our Tampanese hub has introduced a set of house rules saying don't show up seats, share your table, which are featured in its wall art mural as a visual reminder to patrons. People have been reacting to this and let you know, let's let's actually think about what the psychology behind Chope culture is. I found this really interesting post by Wilfred Ling. He is a financial advisor who has a blog. And kudos to him for writing this post. I thought it was actually quite spot on. So we're going to borrow some of his ideas here, but full credit to him. What he says is that the first thing we need to ask ourselves is why do people even need to chop a seat? And he attributes that to a sense of overcrowding in Singapore. And let's roll it back a bit, right? When you think about shopping, you have to realize that this is a pretty recent phenomenon. Hawker centers have been in Singapore for a long time. That's uh, something that we shared about in our Hawker Culture episode. But the idea of chopping has come about really in the past like 30 to 40 years. And the idea is that because there's so much overcrowding, there is a fear that there will be no seat to sit on after a person orders his whole food. Uh, the other is safety. So people don't want to carry a tray of like hot soup looking for a seat and then potentially fill it or, or drop it. And the third reason is because people want to sit together with colleagues instead of being separated. So if you are with five people, you kind of want to make sure you get a table that has five people because if you don't, then later on, you're kind of left with maybe one or two seats everywhere else. You know how you solve that problem, right, Rovic? You just eat lunch alone, dude. <laughs> That's what I do. I I seclude myself, headphone, earpiece, table that's all so that's what you do when people ask you out for lunch you're like no i say i don't want to be one of those guys that chop seats so i'm gonna go eat alone that's my excuse you must love social distancing <laughs> but you know what that's that's a really good point because where you enjoy sitting by yourself a lot of people don't right a lot of people like certainty a lot of people like sitting with people that they know rather than they don't know imagine having to join a table where you don't know everyone there and then there's this sense of awkwardness and this is not anything bad this is just how we are in terms of moving towards places that are more certain more familiar and so what they do uh, in Singapore is that they use a chop reservation system it's zero dollars to set up zero dollars to maintain it's not like a restaurant where sometimes you have to use the actual chop app to to manage your reservations uh, and it's it's basically managed by the crowd right so you reduce the risk of not being able to find a seat by putting your tissue paper or putting a name card on the table and in some ways here, here's an interesting part about it right the chop system is a way of seeing whether there's enough seats in real time before you make your order if you cannot find an available seat you know that there's more demand than supply of seats and you may consider moving to a different place to eat. So that's actually quite an interesting social outcome of an individual decision. We've all kind of like joined in this social contract of saying, all right, uh, we'll do this so there's better optics for everyone in the food court. 
right? <laughs> yeah, but here's what Dr. Donald Lowe, former Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy Associate Dean, said. Choping makes sense for an individual, but because it's individually reasonable, doesn't make it collectively reasonable. What he says is that choping is an example of the tragedy of common. The tragedy arises from the fact that short of privatization of the common resource, collective action problems are usually intractable. When you have seeds that are choked, and you have people who are carrying trees who may not have choked a seed. Now you have a disconnect between seeds that are actually, in fact, available and people who need those seeds. So there is this gap, a time gap, in which tables are being occupied by no one in particular, but no one's actually using it. That's where a lot of the debate comes about, about whether actually this is an economically and socially beneficial outcome. In this case, Dr. Lowe is saying that it's inefficient because we're not maximizing the uh, usage time of sit spaces. And of course, there is this obvious idea that people get frustrated, right? If you are Singaporean or you've been in Singapore, you can kind of empathize with this. If you're listening from outside of Singapore, just imagine, right? A busy lunchtime period, everyone's in a congested, busy food center and you just you just want to have your meal you want to go back to work imagine you've had a bad day so far and then you're carrying your your bowl of hot noodles and you can't find a seat and now you're starting to feel helpless right where do i sit what if i can't find a seat how am i going to eat this Uh, and all of that anxiety just starts to creep in that is also an outcome of the choke reservation system that people are trying to maybe fight against. So what's come about with this entire thing is the anti-choke movement. I'm not making this up. This is a real thing uh, that sort of like come online, which was started in 2018 by Miss Caitlin Teo, the Associate General Secretary of Partnerships at the Singapore Kindness Movement. This is a big deal, right? The Singapore Kindness Movement is that one thing we look to every year where they'll come bother us and say, oh, okay, you know, let's try to make Singapore a more gracious society. It's never a bad thing, but you know, the anti-choke movement, I'm sure had it's a lot of pushback to it as well. I'm sure some people weren't happy about it. And they had this card that they were giving out, right? During the movement, uh, we had this message that says, doing it for years <laughs> doesn't make it right. Okay, so personal opinion time. <laughs> I think it's quite funny. I think I think giving out a card that says doing it for years doesn't make it right gives you another tool to go and choke a table. <laughs> no, I've heard that. I've heard people actually do that. They use the card and do it. So so this is what the anti-choke movement was doing, right? They were actually going around as if they had a lot of time and they were looking at tables that were choked so people were using their tissue papers umbrellas and they would put these cards on top of it basically it would be like choping's not right let's be more gracious and people would take those cards and be like somewhat like what i was saying hey it's another card for me to use which i think is is kind of counterproductive to the what the movement's trying to do but everyone has like certain intentions or certain agendas and depending on where you sit on on the argument of is choping a good or bad thing? It's gonna it's gonna really boil down to the individual and how they use the tools that are there. Let me start by saying I appreciate both arguments, right? So on one hand, I understand the anxiety issue, I understand the, the need for certainty, and especially in a hawker center where the, the food is a bit more precarious, you kind of want to make sure you have a place. But I also understand the efficiency argument. I also understand what Singapore Kindness Movement is trying to say. So Dr. William Wan basically said that his preferred approach is if we all don't choke, you know, we share tables, we give up our seats for those who need it. We use that as an opportunity to practice graciousness on a more regular basis rather than to be 
quote-unquote more transactional with our tables. I think the reality is that people are going to be individually rational and collectively irrational, and that's just going to be the reality of it, right? So to some extent, what is the outcome of changing such things? Is it actually to make us a better society, or is it really to address maybe some of our own insecurities, right? I, I'm a close partner of the Singapore Kindness Movement. I work with them very closely during the Hidden Good Days, and I have a lot of good memories with them. But this was one of those movements where I was like, mm, you know, there is some sensitivity and nuancing here that probably was missed out on. I think the system works for a lot of people. It's just something you have to learn to adapt to. And actually, once you learn to adapt to it, it works for you, right? Because it's something that everyone needs to buy into. If some people detract from it, then that's where a lot of the disagreement comes. I actually think chopping is a wonderful uh, Singaporean thing. You know, when you go overseas or when we used to go overseas, you remember that time, Rovic, when we used to go overseas? That was a thing. Yeah. When I would go overseas, you would uh, try to find food or you find a dining area. And if it's overcrowded uh, or if you always had to find or plant someone to sit down at the table first, that person would have to get their food later. Let's say I was traveling in a group of four people, right? So it's like, man, this place is crowded. Uh, let's all go scout for seats. And then someone plants their butt down on that one table uh, and shoes people away, basically, uh, letting other people know, okay, this table is taken. All the seats at this table are taken. That to me was slightly more inefficient because then the three of us would get our food, we'll come back, we'll sit down. And now we have to wait for that guy to go get his food, come back, and then we eat together, right? I mean, that's that's just how it is. In Singapore, however, when, when you come back, it's like, okay, these tables are choked. It's fine. Is it too crowded for us? We know that they're going to come back and eat it eventually. Why don't we tapau? Like, you know, home turf, right? It's very easy for us to do that. That's what I do nowadays, actually. If I see that the hawker center is too crowded and I know like, mm, we would love to eat together at this hawker center. Well, no matter. We just take, we just bag the food. In Singapore, it's not that big a deal. Go back to the office and eat together. There are ways to, to work around it. Once you buy into the system, I feel it's a lot more manageable. Let me give you the one pet peeve that I personally think is a no-no, right? When people chop their seats and then they're not buying food, right? It's like they put their stuff there and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do something else and I'll come back. And I'll tell you where this affects me. It's in cafes or like in Starbucks, right? Right, right, so, right. right. So that's where you're, you're trying to study and people are like, oh, like I'm going to go grab lunch, but I don't want anyone to take my Starbucks seat. So they leave their laptops there and then you look around and you're like, there's definitely no one buying coffee. So who are these seats taken by, right? And and that's, that's a bit inefficient because that's really extending the system and inefficiency and it's really increasing the gap between people who need seats and who don't. That's true, that's true. When people say this is unique to Singapore, Actually, it's not so. I remember talking to my friend from Germany. He came to visit me in Singapore, and we were talking about the chop system. And he actually told me this is not uh, unique to Singapore. While it's unique to our food culture here, right? And that makes a lot of sense given Singapore's very, very strong relationship with food. Actually, for the Germans, it is something that they do for their beaches. Let's talk about this phenomenon, but just as a comparison, right? In Europe, what happens is that sometimes... There are certain communities of people that use their towels to reserve beach deck chairs. And it has gotten people very, very annoyed because some people reserve it overnight. So imagine if you want to go to the beach early. Let's say you know you want to reserve a chair, but you reach it at 6 a.m. and you realize actually all the deck chairs are quote-unquote, reserved by towels by people who were there the night before and kept it there so that they could just come back the next day. It got so bad that 
there was even a scheme called Operation Sea Safe, where the Italian authorities decreed that any holidaymakers that leave their beach towels overnight to bag the best spot would face fines of up to 200 euros. Wow. In Tuscany, they've made it a crime to leave any unattended belongings on the beach before 8.30 a.m., but the rules vary from place to place. Authorities have also begun to seize paraphernalia used for reserving spots. This has actually made it such a big issue that people hate it when some tourists come from, from some of these countries. That's very kiasu. That's more kiasu than us. I've never seen anyone choke a table at a hawker centre overnight, okay? So apparently this is quite unique with the British and German communities uh, in Europe. And it's a, it's sometimes even a competition. So sometimes on the Mediterranean beaches, uh, it's always a competition between the British and the Germans on who would reserve the seats first. But everyone else hates it. All the other Europeans are like, what is going on? Stop doing this. So I think the issue here is that they do it overnight. Imagine if someone was to reserve your lunch seat from like, the day before. <laughs> Thankfully, all the people who own hawker centers here in Singapore, even the large-scale ones, they are very, very particular about how the people are treated inside. You know, we talked about this in our hawker culture episode where we said that, you know, it's actually a great place for people to just like chill and hang out with the store owners. You know, like sometimes the drinks lady, uh, she'll be there to sit down and, and talk to you. And if you want to like have a moment to drink kopi and share some stories, it's it's the right place to be. The the places that I go for lunch in Topayo, the auntie knows like, oh, if someone chops a seat and it's like totally not being used, they literally let anyone else sit there. They'll be like, hey, ah, boy, there's a there's a seat over here. Just take it. Then you'll be like, huh? There's an umbrella here? Nah, nah, nah. The person's not here. And they will move the umbrella aside. And when the guy comes back, they'll return it to them. Just hearing what you're saying, I am appreciating more and more that chopping is a system that works that doesn't have anyone actually running it or overseeing it. It's something that everyone collectively buys into. And it works if you participate in it right if you choose to detract from it or to be antagonistic to it the system's actually not going to treat you well at all you're going to be more frustrated than than, than most la. I, i'm going to say that i don't know if there will ever be a time where chopping disappears i don't i doubt it i hope not i hope not if you see this like happen you know overseas you know that a singaporean is somewhere there <laughs> <laughs> It's an identifiable marker of who we are. For better or for worse, it is a characteristic of what it means to be Singaporean. Although I would say that if a Singaporean tries to chop a seat overseas, uh, that is not the system, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you'll know that there's a Singaporean there. I've, I've traveled uh, on tour groups where it happens and I laugh and I go, ha, 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 doesn't work here. You may get some angry people chasing after you. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much, Rohit, for sharing with us about uh, trope culture. Reminding me once again uh, that outside can be a scary place at times and for everyone else thank you so much for listening to this episode of SJ Explained uh, on behalf of Rovik and myself uh, we want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays we'll probably be on break next week with that thank you so much for a great year with us I think we've had a lot of fun a lot of insights and a lot of like amazing guests who came on board uh, to share their thoughts with you so Rovik thank you so much for being my co-host as well in the spirit of gratitude Elliot, thanks for being on the show and thanks for just being a fun guy to talk about what it means to be <laughs> Singaporean with. There's no one else I'd actually rather have this conversation with. So. All right, everyone, thank you so much. And we'll see you in 2021. Have a good one. <laughs>